Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. Today's episode is Fast and Loose. It is a recap of Mexico 2023. This is going to be a very unique episode because as of the recording date and the release date, there have been no uploads of audio recordings or at least audience recordings of these four shows. So unfortunately, since I do not use soundboard recordings for legal reasons, there are no musical interludes. I'm sorry about that. But if you get the opportunity to listen to any of the Mexico recordings, they are highly recommended. It was excellent music all four nights. So for this recap, it was kind of a mix of Lightning round questions, also asking a little bit of the guests about their background, and it's just a free-flowing conversation between myself and two of my friends, uh, guests who have been on the show before, about those four nights in Mexico. Those two guests, or my two friends, are Cappy from Massachusetts and my friend Greg from Virginia. So I don't want to give too much away at the beginning. It's just a sit down and let's chat and review everything we did for Fish in Cancun. Enjoy this recap. Greg, Cappy, welcome back to Attendance Bias. Have we re-entered real life yet from Mexico? Cappy, how are you doing? Oh, we're doing great. We got back in on Wednesday night uh, and... We managed to get everything unpacked already, which is a new record for us. Wow, it took me about four days of just staring at my suitcase. And finally, I did it. Greg, how is your family readjusting after rotating back to the world? Yeah, we got back Tuesday night, and we're wise enough to take Wednesday off from work. So all the unpacking took place uh, relatively low stress. But I got to tell you, I was not a good person to be around Thursday and Friday. Reentry into reality is not easy, you know, just coming off a regular tour, but coming out of Mexico. <laughs> well, we are here to talk about just that Fish's run at Moon Palace in Cancun 2023. That would be February 23rd through 26th of that year. And we're here for just kind of a roundtable discussion. For those of you listening, this is going to be an episode unlike regular attendance bias episodes where we're not really going to just break down the music. We're going to focus on the entire experience of what it's like being to Mexico. And you've heard, if you're a regular listener, you've heard recaps before. So this will follow that standard, uh, that sort of template. There won't be any real edits here. Just three guys having a conversation about what it was like to see fish in what I would call a tropical paradise for four nights and five days. So, gentlemen, let's get the audience to get to know you. Uh, Greg, we'll start with you a little bit. Where are you coming to us from tonight? And I'm going to ask you, what is your current fish life like? The people listening, who are you as a fish fan and where are you as a fish fan? Yeah, I'm I'm an aging fish fan like like the rest of us here. Um, You know, so working stiff most of the time. uh, Generally, I'm seeing like three to four shows a year at a good year. For me so um you know being sort of near the southeastern virginia area always happy to hear a hampton love to have that happen again um but you know generally it's what i can drive to so you know i've done ac the last couple of years uh usually anything in north carolina uh, to merriweather is sort of like my uh, my run and this is our fourth time uh in mexico though so we've been um every year since 2019 and it sort of became 
our family vacation in 2020, uh, which is the first year we took our daughter with us. And uh, so, you know, now the, the last three years has really been the last three years they've done it has been a, you know, sort of our, our yearly family vacation. Uh, God bless them that they allowed that to take place. So for this year, and like you said, since 2020, it's been you, your wife, and your daughter. That's your crew heading down to Mexico? Yeah, pretty much. And, and of course, you find gentlemen uh, and, you know, a couple <laughs> other friends that we all have along the way. Uh, but, yeah, it's, you know, by day, we're hanging at the pool or the beach and just sort of chilling together. My daughter lives uh, out of state now. So this is like, you know, one of the only times that we'll see her uh, probably in the first half of the year. So it's good for us to get reacquainted. And, of course, at night. Uh, you know, the entertainment is, you know, for me, the the big draw going down there. Not that I don't love my family. But, <laughs> but really. But Come really. on. Well, we know. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Gabby, how about you? If, we had, if you had to do the uh, the NFL combine for fish, what's the, what's the skinny with you, uh, your relationship with the band and Mexico here? So similar to Greg, an aging fan here. I, I've been seeing them since the early nineties. Um, they, so they've been around, like, I was marveling over this, this, you know, been following them for over 30 years now. They've been around for 40 and granted the 1.0 era, r- really 94 through 99 was my heavy uh, touring. I don't think I went on any full legs or anything like that, but I would see them, you know, upwards of a dozen times a year. Um, 2.0 as well, a little bit. And then by 3.0, it, you know, starting to settle down, have some kids. It's a little bit more once a year, maybe twice a year for that. Um, but that said, since they started doing the couch tour and the streaming, I, I've been all in on that and, and, as you gentlemen know as well, a lot of one of the best parts of this is being able to check in with everyone and watch them together. And we can, you know, chat online while we're doing that. So that that's a nice way to stay connected. And it's actually at the point where we've been watching so many of the streams that I was like, wait, did I go to that show or did I just watch it? <laughs> and so Greg went with his wife and his child. Cappy, this was a family vacation for you as well. What did your crew look like this year? Yeah, so my wife Carrie and I went in 2020 for the first time, and we went and we came back. And I, I have three kids, two boys and a, a girl. And they, when we came back, they're like, "You have to take us next time." <laughs> so okay, and we tried to do it in 2022. We I, I got shut out, but um, so for 2023, we're like, "We're doing it. We're gonna do it. It's gonna be the family trip." So we brought everyone down. Um, it was not their first show. They they all got their first show last summer in Banger. And then uh, they were in for all four nights. And it was really fun to watch when it clicked for them. And it did eventually click for all of them. That's fabulous. You know, Greg, you said that your daughter is out of state now. Like she's an adult. So, right. Cappy, your children are not, at least legally, adults. Right? You have... An no. oldest son, um, a middle son, and then a very young daughter. So what was that like going on a family vacation? You know, most people around me, I live in New York. So for me, it's like Sesame Place. Or it's, you know, they go to visit grandma in Florida in Boca Raton. What was it like uh, as a father bringing three children? I know your oldest is in high school, right? So he's functional. <laughs> you know, if not legally an adult, you could trust him. Uh, what was it like, though, 
kind of doing a National Lampoon's Vacation style uh, getaway at a fish festival, for lack of a better phrase, a fish event. I think fish festivals are pretty closely related to Sesame Place in terms of (laughs) of it. But, you know, the way they set it up was great. There's something for everything there. And um, I I was going to say I am fortunate, but I think it might have something to do with nature and nurture that all of my kids are fairly musical and into music. So being at a concert, they just they enjoyed that aspect of it. They enjoyed the lights. They enjoyed the art installations and they enjoyed being at the pool all day and playing. So was there any management difficulties when it came to three different kids at three different energy levels? You know, because I got cranky at the first night when the show started so late. I was like, I want to go to sleep. I can imagine like a seven or eight year old. Yeah, the the younger two, actually, it, it was late for both of them. Um, and it, it it wasn't until the fourth night for them when they had the earlier set where they're like, oh, they were up. They had energy. And that's when they got it. Um, but Again, I think the band did a really good job of having those lounge areas and the places where you could relax in the back. So when they got tired, they just were able to sort of peel off and go find a quieter space and still watch the show. And you, I think on the last time we had this recap, I think you described your wife, I don't know if these were your words or mine, as kind of a sidecar fan, right? She's not 100% into fish, but she's happy to go. Is that accurate? No? I would say so. She's she's very happy to go. She likes the band. She's into it. I don't think she would have done it if it wasn't for me pushing for it. But it's not like I, I don't I definitely don't feel like she's being dragged anywhere. She she's a hundred percent in and is more than happy to go. And Greg, how about your family, your wife and your daughter? Yeah, I think a couple of years ago I would have described my wife that way, but I, I think once you've been to Mexico four times, you can't really say that you're sort of on the sidelines anymore. I mean, <laughs> you have to be all in to make that your, your annual vacation. Um, and my daughter, you know, something that she found on her own uh, when she was in school. So as an adult, it wasn't for lack of me trying to get her into the band when you know she was younger, but just she needed to do it on her own. She saw her first shows in 2018. Um, so she was to them when my wife and I went to Mexico the first year in 2019 without her. And, you know, she was quick to let us know when we got back that I don't want you guys to go again without me. (laughs) We're kind of all, all in now. Um, You know, know, my wife still thinks that they're going to play possum in 2001 at every single show. And, you know, so she got her wishes fulfilled this year, or I should say her opinions validated. Maybe is a better way to say it. And for those of listening who are curious, I went down with my wife, who, as you've heard in previous episodes, was a fan before she and I met. Uh, she loves it. She doesn't always love indoor uh, indoor shows, but something like Mexico, you it's almost impossible to deny. Even people who were not into the band at all can have a wonderful time. But I'm not working for Live Nation or CID. You don't need me to convince you. Uh, That's what this whole episode is about. Uh, So, gentlemen, let me ask, looking at Mexico 2023 compared to previous years, Cappy, we'll start with you. Did you notice anything different this year compared to previous times you've been there? And that can mean anything, aside from the music and the set lists, of course. I I think it felt felt smaller and felt a little not paired back that's not i don't know if that's quite the right word but it was a little bit of a chiller vibe 
and again, that could be me. I, I don't have the number, the attendance numbers or anything like that. I just remembered from 2020, it seemed like there were the the food stands were everywhere. There there were activities everywhere. And it seems like there was maybe two-thirds of what there was in 2020. Yeah, Chris, do you agree time, with that? Yeah, the last time the Cappy was there, it was on the other end of the beach. It, it right? was. And and the venue was definitely a different shape and size than it is now. Um because I felt like based on the last one in 2022, it seemed like there were more people there this year to me, at least inside the venue. Um, but I would agree with you that I think even from last year, it felt a little, I don't know that it was intentionally scaled back, um, but it seemed like there were less of some things. And, you know, if I had to go to the most basic grotesque example, it would be instead of having porta potties, there was now a porta trough slash urinal wall. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's true. There was a porta trough that was just made out of plastic and it was very thin, by the way, not to get too deep into where we urinated, but it was, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's Wrigley field where there's just a giant wall that you piss on and it goes all the, it just drains to the bottom as opposed to Fenway park, which is even more enlightened. So to say where there's a urine trough, there's just a wall, and it kind of felt like that, except it was just made out of plastic. That did gross me out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? First reaction, Greg, was this year better than last year? Man, that's tough. Um, I, I would say, you know, the musically, I would say it's on par. Um, I didn't feel like the. I, I, it seemed to me like maybe the resort itself is putting its money into some other places. It didn't seem as well kept up this year. It's not to be complaining because it was still a great time, but just being honest, uh, it, you know, there were things like, you know, parts of, uh, you know, the area that were shut down or they're broken for repair. I know they're opening a new uh, place in Dominican. So maybe we'll be seeing shows there at some point. Um, but I also noticed it was a lot easier to get into the venue this year. Like I, I didn't wait longer than five minutes any night that we went to be inside and we didn't wait to the last minute or go first thing. We were kind of like right in the middle. And so I felt like that was really easy. And you know, within five minutes to be inside, some nights probably already eating and drinking uh, from that point. I agree. I always get called over to get patted down as a diabetic. I have an insulin pump and the particular insulin pump that I have always sets off metal detectors, whether it's in the airport or at a concert venue. And I'm always called over no matter what. This time, though, the guy ahead of me was already getting like patted down and with a wand with a, a kind of portable metal detector. And after I walked through and it did the beep and the red light, the woman was just, ah, just go, go. Like I was holding up the line. <laughs> it was super easy to get in. I didn't even wait. You said five minutes. I didn't even wait two minutes just to go yeah. in. That was easy in and out. Uh, Cappy, did you notice anything different aside from the venue being on the opposite side of the beach from when you were there in 2020? I, nothing obvious other than the setup and you said like easy in easy out that was great our room was so close we were literally a two minute walk so there were nights on set break where we went back and we were able to go to our room and get a drink and then come back and it was super efficient and i i love the way that they had that set up uh relative to 2020 Quick lightning round type question. Cappy, I'll start with you. What was the best thing you ate while you were there? The ceviche on Sunday. 
So I was actually, that was the one I had remembered. <laughs> but I had some earlier in the week somewhere else on the beach. And I'm like, this doesn't seem like what I remembered. It's good, but it's not what I remembered. The, the one they had on Sunday in the venue was. Was that the Mixto? Yes. Yeah, I noticed that too. That was delicious. It, it has some sort of sauce, some sort of maybe tomato-based sauce. I know it's darker for sure. That was very good. Greg, I actually ate it when you and I were hanging out uh, before the show in the hot, hot sun on Sunday. Greg, what, what was your uh, best thing that you ate uh, throughout the whole trip? It was also the Sunday ceviche, but I had the um, the all fish. Um, and that, that was one of those days that literally I walked in, I said, where is the ceviche? Oh, it's right here. And <laughs> I, I had it in my hand within a minute of being inside the gate. Um, yeah, that was that was tops. You know, before Mexico began, or maybe as it was going, I don't know how active either of you are on social media, or at least in the fish realm of social media. There's always complaints, right? There's always complaints of it doesn't matter about what, but there was a lot of bitching about how expensive uh, fish Mexico is. And it is. Let's just get that right out in the open. It is a lot of money, no matter what. And it just seemed that, and a lot of that uh, that observation, I don't know if you're into this, but it seemed to come out as anger, not as jealousy, but anger. That fish is kind of becoming for the 5%, if not for the 1%. You know, we're not that rich, those of us uh, talking uh, right now. But there's a lot of that anger about, oh, my God, how look at the tours, the trips that you could go on for the same amount of money that you're paying for fish in Mexico. So let me ask you guys, and I have my own answer to this. What makes this worth it to you? Because no one here is super rich. No one here is pulling down in the millions, as far as I know. What is it that you can go on trips to anywhere in the world, it seems, you know, say for maybe Australia from the US, but you could go to, you mentioned the DR earlier, Greg, you could go on these all-inclusive places or even all the way to Hawaii for maybe half of what we paid to go to fish. What makes this so worth it for you? Greg, what do you think? I'm not so sure you can necessarily do it as much, a whole lot cheaper anymore. I mean, I'm just looking now for myself to go solo to four shows at MSG. It's going to cost me close to the same price per person for what I did in Mexico. Um, it's a little cheaper, obviously, but, you know, for me, it's, and our family, right? It's, my wife loves the beach more than anything, and she hates the cold. So an escape to warm weather in winter is perfect for her. Uh, you know, basically all of my vacation days in a year are used to go see concerts somewhere. And we do try to do some traveling uh, with that. So it's kind of the best of both worlds for us. And, you know, it's it's worth it to me to spend the money to do that and have it paid for six or eight months in advance. Uh, so by the time it rolls around, you know, any anxiety I had about that is behind me and can just focus on enjoying it. Um, you know, I think I've seen some of those comments to um, people complaining about the cost. And you know, my question always back to them is, well, where did you go? Where else did you go? Go someplace else then. Um, you know, because this is it's like our happy place. And when that bus pulled into the drive going into the Moon Palace and we're going down that sort of. Uh, uh, row of all the palm trees and things. I just looked at my wife and said, this, I'm at my happy place now. Like all the worries and frustrations of everyday life just kind of like melt away. And that's worth, 
you know, I would pay more for that if I had to. <laughs> Hopefully I don't. <laughs> Wait till next year. I'm sure. Happy. <laughs> what about you? What makes it worth it to you? If you're able to articulate it, because sometimes it's hard to. Yeah. I think uh, very similar to what Greg said. I, I was literally having this conversation a couple nights ago with Carrie. And one of the things we talked about, I'm like, I'm like, I think this is kind of like church for me and we don't get to like, do that very often it, it's it's the happy place it is where we, where you're with your people and now that's at any fish show at some level but for this there's something about late february for me um and it started i think when around when i turned 40 where i'm like i need to get somewhere warm and i think it happened to my father too where he used to take uh golf trips out to vegas with his brothers around that same age and so for me I'm wanting to do that because it's the only way I can get through the rest of the winter. I need to go somewhere warm. So I'm going to be doing that anyway. If fish happens to be playing and that is where my people are, I'm going to want to be there. And I kind of look at it like a vacation where you get four fish shows as a bonus. Um, is that where I would choose to go on a vacation on my own? Like if we were choosing somewhere, probably not. But it's all of it. It's the way Fish sets it up. It's having the concerts at night. It's that all of those other people are there. And it just turns it into a giant party for five days. It doesn't really start before you even get there, Cappy. Like, I mean, when you are on the airplane going down there, you could pick out all the other heads on the airplane, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, usually, uh, you know, air travel is, is kind of stressful. You know, you get delays and things like that. And we had some of that, too. But it's all good. You know, the party has already started by the time you get on that last plane from Mexico. Totally. I agree with that. I agree with what both of you said. And Cappy, you used a word. And, you know, I'm an English teacher, so I'm very picky about semantics. You used the word vacation. You know, we could take a million different trips in a world in the, where we're spending this kind of money on a travel budget. And my wife and I, when we do go on trips or vacations, we usually do go to cities. We go to places for culture. We go to places where we get up early, we get in the car and we go to sites of interest, wherever that may be. This is not that. This is truly a vacation in the strictest sense of the word where the purpose of it is to relax and enjoy. And I'm not the guy who's sitting poolside or oceanside uh, for hours getting sunburned, and that's going to be part of the lightning round later. Did you avoid sunburn? Um, I did not entirely, but anyway, that's for later. But I I usually don't. In the summer, I live not far from the beach, uh, Long Beach, New York. I don't live that far from it where it's not special to me to go to the ocean and set up an umbrella and a beach chair and, you know, Tommy Bahama Shore, all, you know, et cetera. This is different. There's something about it, you know, that fish is playing, but it is the crowd. Kind of what Greg said also, it truly is a vacation. There's no anxiety associated with it. And to me, that's what makes it worth the monetary sacrifice that you give it. And I think I said this on our last recap where before a fish show, as much as I love it, it does cause anxiety for me. What time are we leaving our home? What time do we want to get there? Well, what time do we want to get into the venue? And well, what's the line going to be like? We have to eat before. Where are we going to go? What time does the train leave? It's, you know. And Mexico takes away all of that. All of that. And so, so you don't even need to be in the venue to hear the music. I mean, 
you know, we sat out and listened to Soundcheck the first day in the pool and could hear it perfectly. That that was one of the things I was going to mention. And the other part that I was thinking about was all the shows we go to, like when you go to the sheds in the summer and how, you know, not all of the fun, but a big chunk of the fun is in the lot beforehand and in the lot after, not for anything specific to the lot, but just the interactions you have. So just picture that 24 hours a day for five days straight. The lot <laughs> is there and doesn't go anywhere. And it's not a parking lot. It happens to be in a tropical paradise with servers bringing you drinks of your choice, whatever you want. You know, it's not we were able to stop at the 7-Eleven off this highway and pick up whatever we can on the way. It's a drink of whatever you want. And like you said, there's funny floaties in the pool. There's a giant water slide by the way, <laughs> you know, and rather than just go down the list and list all of the wonderful parts of it, it really contributes to this feeling where you can breathe and not think. And that's really hard to do in the lives that we live. I think I don't want to speak for you guys, but I can say as a middle school teacher, it's hard to just let go sometimes. And like you said, Cappy, as I get older, it really is a relief to get away from life and feel like you truly are in another dimension where nothing matters there are no clocks but let's get into it let's get into what we did while we were there so cappy we'll start with you what was your highlight of the trip unrelated to the music so we took an extra day on the tail end uh the the recovery day and we decided to fill that with some of the excursions so the family went to chichen itza one of the new seven wonders of the world. And we got to see that. And that was a really nice tour and trip that we got to take. But the coolest part is part of that package was we got to swim in uh, a fairly newly opened cenotes, which is one of those freshwater sinkholes underneath with all the stalactites hanging from the ceiling. Nice reference. It was cold, but it was right out of something like Indiana Jones or Tomb Raider. It it was wild. There was a shaft of sunlight coming in from above, like hitting one of the platforms. And, you know, my kids are diving off the platforms into the water. Like, very surreal experience. I don't think I'll ever forget that. Greg, how about you? Highlight other than the music. Oh, man, I can't keep, I can't compete with that. The pictures from (laughs) Happy Shed look awesome. You know, one thing that we did this year that we hadn't done in the past is we um, brought beer and participated in the beer share there, which is a little bit different than what uh, I'm used to, but it was a neat experience. I mean, literally everybody that came there threw their beer into one of four or five giant coolers, and then it was crack them open and split and share with people, and you got to talk to people and meet some folks, and uh, that was it was a pretty neat thing, not only because of uh, you know the experience of talking with people and meeting folks you didn't know, but also having decent beer. And that was the only day that I had like really good beer while I was in Mexico. I was drinking the stuff any- people mule down in their suitcases. Do you have any recommendations? Uh, I couldn't. I'd have to go back and look. I did keep a list of what I drank, but I couldn't name any of them for you now. But what was neat is that you know if you did that and you participated, they gave you a little card. And you took it to the lobby and they gave you a very nice um, Riviera Maya branded uh, beer glass. So it was kind of cool. We got a little little souvenir out of it. Wasn't expecting that, but it was, um, that was a fun experience. And if they do that again in the future, 
uh, I'll definitely pack some more stuff down there and you know, make my suitcase a little heavier on the down trip. My highlight, other than the music, and you guys were there for this, although, Greg, I don't know if you were there for this, was the trivia contest. And I loved it. This was in the Sunrise Lobby. I don't remember which day it was, but there were about, what, six teams, Cappy? Around there, maybe a few more. Yeah, maybe somewhere between six and eight. And it's like any other trivia contest that you would go to in a bar where you sit with your team and you... Uh, there were these very, very nice, lovely hosts, and they uh, they gave us out these answer sheets, and it was five questions, five rounds, right? So 25 total questions, and some of them were really easy. Some of them were really difficult, but as a team, we tied for first place with the number one guy you would expect to be in first place with friend of the podcast, David Zizek Steinberg. And I just walked away feeling, wow, like he is the, I would say the gold standard of fish knowledge, right? Would you guys agree with that? That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> and just the idea, and I know there were, it was a limited pool of people, but just, I don't know, to me, as you could tell from this podcast, you know, I, I pride myself on knowing a lot about a little, <laughs> you know, knowing a, a bit about fish and it's just fun. It was just fun to test our knowledge about it. And we did it as a team, which made it feel real good. And so to tie with Dave was, it was the best thing. And I won't even say it myself. What Dave said was my favorite part is when he said, it's better that more people tied for first place because that means more people win. And that was just the nicest thing, the sweetest thing to hear. So that was my non-musical highlight was the trivia contest. Yeah, now I feel bad as your teammate. I feel like I should change my answer to have that be my highlight too, because that was awesome. Well, no, I mean, you were with your family. I mean, you sent me those pictures of the, what are they called? Cenotes? Cenotes, yes. Cenotes. That looked a hell of a lot more fun than being in a lobby bar, to be fair, <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon. But I that I really enjoyed that. That was probably my favorite part, not involving the music. Greg, let me ask you, if Fish or Moon Palace had a suggestion box, do you have any notes that you would drop in there on your way out? Oh, you know, I don't think it would necessarily change my experience, but I think for the Moon Palace, they, there's an opportunity here. One of the things I noticed in the venue this year, you know, as you mentioned earlier, there are waiters that are carrying drinks through the crowd. Other waiters are carrying drinks all the way to the front row in the crowd, which is just blows my mind. But I saw a lot of times this year, I don't know if they had fewer waiters or if there were, like I said, maybe more people there. A lot of times the waiters coming back and the people had gone. Either they got tired of waiting and they went to get something on their own or whatever. They really ought to consider um, some sort of like geolocating through through their resort app that allows you to order your drink and the waiter to find you um, based on you know your cell phone pings or something like that. Because, man, those guys are hustling out there. I mean, we, we were throwing around a lot of tips and they treated us very well but i saw a lot of those guys showing up with a, a thing full of drinks and nobody to take them uh, so i think that's not an area that they could probably work on to help themselves and their staff a little bit um, I, I got no suggestions for fish i just want them to keep coming <laughs> doing it Gabby, how about you suggestion box I only have a small one and it sounds a little petty just because i had promised the kids this is one of the things that 
to hype the shows is some of the best hot chocolate they've ever had. Because in 2020, that was in the venue, and we actually walked around and we did not see it anywhere. That's right. I forgot all about the hot chocolate. I know you mentioned it when we were there, and I thought of it for the second that you mentioned it, and then it again, I completely forgot it too. So bring that back. Yeah, bring back the hot chocolate. I don't really have any. The only thing that I could think of, and again, we're all sounding petty in our way because we were treated so well and because it's so great there is maybe find some way to put out more of those, uh, more of the reclining chairs by the pool, because man, if you are not out there by 9am, you are not getting a chair or you are in the straight up sun with no shade. And that is, that was a little difficult to stay by the pool for five hours or six hours that close to the equator and not have any, uh, not have any coverage. Cappy, did you get sunburned? I managed to avoid it. I got plenty of color, but nothing nothing major. The whole family dodged it pretty much. Wow. Wow. Greg, how about you? Sunburn? Uh, no, I think I was the only one in my family that dodged it totally. Uh, the other two got it a little bit. But, um, you know, it, your point about getting out there and getting cover out there, I was informed by somebody that um, goes to the Moon Palace a lot that that's normal resort behavior. I thought it was a fish harping behavior to get out there early and throw towels and things down and claim all your spots. So those two worlds colliding is like <laughs> the, the worst possible <laughs> situation to be in um, until Monday morning, the first night after the shows were done. I rolled out there about like 1030. Got one right by the pool under an umbrella. It's perfect. So do the extra days. That would be my advice, too, just for anyone listening. If you hadn't been there and you're going there, get an extra day. I would say beforehand. I always think it's really risky to travel on show day, especially in February, because who knows where you're coming from, what the weather was like. But, yeah, that's that's a good uh, piece of advice. And if you stay the extra day after, if you're able to, it's not as hectic, it sounds like, right? Yeah, it's definitely not. You don't get the fun vibe of like the DJs at the pool. And I think Cappy mentioned it a couple of years ago. We did this that, you know, it's a little sad watching them take the stage down and start to, you know, remove all of the, you know, the fish stuff. Uh, but and you need that day to decompress. I, and I feel for you and, and folks that like came back on Monday that that reentry into reality is, I mean, that's a crash and burn. Well, I flew out that Monday. I flew out the next day. I wasn't at work, but I was in the air, right? I was in the airport and then in the air. And it is just incredible. I came back to New York. It's just incredible within 24 hours because it snowed that night when we got back. And New York had not seen any snow the entire winter. And it's just incredible in 24 hours how different an environment you could be in in the modern world from point A to point B. Hi, everybody. Brian here to welcome you to the set break of today's episode of Attendance Bias. First, thank you for listening. And second, just a quick reminder to tell you that even though Attendance Bias comes to you for free, it does take a lot of work and it does take quite a bit of money to keep the lights on here at production. So I just wanted to ask a small favor if you could support the podcast in any number of the following ways. If you could leave a review or a rating of it on whichever podcast app you use. If you could spread the word telling a friend or someone you think may be interested in it about it. 
or probably the most concrete way is to go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash attendance bias and donate however much you can financially to help with the continuing costs of attendance bias. So thank you again so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode. Uh, Greg, what was your drink for the weekend? No, I picked up your tequila and fresca and uh, th- that you told me about last year, and that was it. And I had many, many, maybe too many, but a lot of those. <laughs> Cappy, what was your drink? Oh, nothing special. Just the Corona that they were offering left and right. I, di- I didn't really go looking for anything. Fair enough. Splurged on a frozen margarita once. Those are delicious. They they know how to make those frozen drinks down there. But yeah, I had my uh, traditional now, fresca and tequila. And now if I go to any bar in the United States, I'll sound like an asshole ordering it. But if you're down there and you're a little worried about your sugar intake, highly recommended. Uh, Cappy, what was your favorite art installation of the weekend? So I really dug the... Uh the sand pyramids that they had out there. I, I don't know what the name of that was, but right on the beach, they had var- like the various sized pyramids arranged in a pattern and they lit up during the shows. I thought that was a lot of fun. Um, and then the other one, I don't know if it's an art installation, but did everyone see the tarps or like the sheets they had? If you walk out of the exit in sunrise and they had basically looked like a pink Floyd laser light show streaming on these white sheets that were blowing in the breeze so i noticed a lot of fans after the show staring at them (laughs) greg how about you your favorite art installation um i i like the sand sculpture too with the the pyramids and i don't know if they had it every night but the one night that we wandered back there i think it was night three they had a big fire pit in the middle of it too that was lit up it was really cool um but my favorite part has been every year and continues to be this year standing in amongst the palm trees where they've got the lights shining up that are sort of changing with the stage lights. And I, I mean, to me, that's, that's, that's even my favorite part of the whole experience is just standing there in those trees, especially when like the wind would blow through there and you really get taken away. I enjoyed that. It's not, I know that's not an art installation, but um, they kind of made it one. It's funny you say that because I was thinking the same thing. Does that count? But this is my podcast, so it does. That the lights that are at the base of those palm trees pointing up, and they do, they change, like you said, Greg, they change colors with the stage lights during the show. So, and the palm trees are pretty far back, right? They're behind the soundboard. They're not too far forward from all the food and uh, the restrooms and the entrance. But the lights changing colors during the show, it, even though you're so far back, it still makes you feel like you're in the crowd. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed that. That was going to be my answer, too. And, Greg, this will be, I think, the last question of this lightning round or somewhat lightning round. What was your favorite place in the venue to watch the shows? That, I, I can't narrow it to one. It's the places that I've spent the last two years. Uh, just uh, right about the even with the soundboard page side and standing amongst those palm trees. We call the palm tree forest. Yeah. Um, those have been my two play- favorite places to watch the shows the last two years. And that's where we spent most of it this year, too. Cappy, how about you? I also really enjoyed the palm tree forest, but I would add to that on a couple of the nights we were able to go beach side a little further down and they have the palm trees on the right hand side also lit up so 
it was cool to experience that in part because uh my kids were with me and they were the I got to watch them in that and they really enjoyed that. And then on the last night, um, for the for, for a fair part of the first set, uh, my daughter was in the water making friends, playing with water, running around, dancing for that. So that was just really fun and, and I enjoyed that. How did was your it kids this year that they, they didn't have lights out in the water? I feel like in the past years they had lights like shining out into the water. I don't know if it was weather related or, or if they just didn't plan for that. Sure. Yeah, I didn't Happy. see those. You didn't see those? I didn't see those. Well, let's talk a bit about the music. So they played four nights. Uh, the first night started at around 9 p.m. That was a late, late show for us olds. Uh, the nights two and three were the usual any given night of Fish Tour, right? 7.30, I think it was, 7.30 ticket time. They came on at like... 805 for nights two and three and night four was an early start i think they came on around like 510 or no maybe closer to 530 and the show was over by like 845 or nine o'clock uh, and it started it was a hot day really hot so let's talk about our musical highlight and maybe overall vibe from each night for night one for me my musical highlight was sand which was played, let me double check, was played in the first set, kind of right in the middle of it. And I really enjoyed it in that it was their first exploration leading up to Sand was Harry Hood, which was, by the way, a kick-ass run opener. You don't get that very very often these days. Harry Hood, MoMA Dance, Back on the Train, My Friend, My Friend, and then Sand. So it's toward the beginning-ish of the set, but kind of in the middle of it. And they started to explore. It was improvisation. And I remember in 2020 thinking they sounded really great. And then when everything shut down, the whole world shut down after we got back just weeks after that, I remember thinking, wow, we all as a fan base got robbed of a great year of fish in 2020. So when, when sand started stepping out a little bit, I was, I already started thinking, cause I want to have a good time. We are in for a good run. So to me, it was a portent of good things to come. That was my highlight the first night. Cappy, how about you? So I had two, and one of them's kind of cheating. Um, but Greg mentioned the sound check from the pool. We were hanging out there and you know, just sort of wandering around. And they played all of these dreams and they played uh brother, parts of brother, but it could hear it so clearly. And I was just grinning walking around. I, I think I was even texting some people. Uh, I think I was texting you about all of these dreams, Brian, yeah. about like fish 2.0 ballads. I'm like, I don't care if it's sappy. I love this. It just, it, it got me really excited for the show. And then uh, during the show, uh, my son and I, he, he's my 13 year old. We were up going up under the palm trees on the right hand side. And during this, you know, the cacophony at the end of my friend, like it's just insanity with the lights and the sound. And I just kept looking over at him. And like, I think that was the first time where I saw a little bit of like a, huh, this is different. Like in his eyes, like where he was starting to get it. And so that's going to stay with me forever. Greg, how about you? Highlight night one, the super late, super long, by the way, two and a half hour set. So before I tell you my highlight, I want to say I think unequivocally the jam and blaze on was the best musical part of the whole night. It's incredible. Um, 
And but for my highlight, I thought it was going to be a back on the train into my friend, my friend, because that segued so perfectly. And I love back on the train and it is starting to get a little bit weird. But I'm going to go with the Harry Hood opener because it's my most seen song. It's one of my favorite songs. And yeah, some people that we had talked to had laughed at me about it. But when they dropped into the quiet part and Harry Hood and we were standing in there in the palm trees and this breeze just whipped up and you could hear the, the palms bristling around just as they were starting into the, in the very delicate part of the song. It was the most beautiful thing that I, you know, I've heard in a long time. I, I got a little choked up uh, in the moment. And uh, that, that definitely, for me, I think, set the stage for the rest of the weekend. That's my highlight. Night two, two sets this time. For me, it's Waves and Ruby Waves. I consider it one block of music. It was clearly intentional to play those two songs back to back because we're right on the border of the ocean. And you want to talk about improvisational heaven. I mean, I'm there for the jams. I'm there for the bust out rarities and jams. My wife is there for the songs. You know, she's got her favorites. She has certain songs that she's seen a hundred times and wants to hear them a hundred more. For me, I don't really care what song it's being played, except if it's all of these dreams. But <laughs> I don't really care if they can go somewhere with it. So, like, in that way, Everything's Right has become one of my favorites. And you ask me in, like, 2017, I never thought I'd ever say that. But now I know when they play Everything's Right, it's going to be fucking awesome. So I'm looking forward to that already this spring and summer. But my point is, Waves and Ruby Waves, this was a back-to-back improvisational meatball sandwich. It was Everything you want, if you're there for the jams, to space out, to look up at the sky, to maybe walk over to the courtyard area, which was very nice and very laid back and quiet, no chompers at all. That's what that's what you want to listen. That's what I want to listen to and just kind of zone out and space out. When I talked earlier about being able to disconnect, to be on vacation as opposed to being on a trip, Ruby um, Waves and Ruby Waves did it for me. Gabby, how about you? Highlight, musical highlight for night two. So for me, it's, I'd say there's really three. One was dinner and a movie for an opener, just like as a bust out going, oh, this is a lot of fun to hear. The stash was the first stash I've heard in I don't know how long that stayed weird and started to, that's the first time I thought, oh, this might be an interesting run of shows if they're going out and they're not taking it to the major bliss jam that they've been doing for the past few years. But after that, it's, uh, and I don't know if this is cheating, but really everything after waves from waves on that entire second set was fantastic. Which everyone should know. It's the second set was first tube opener waves, Ruby waves, shade chocolate torture, which was dynamite. Amazing chocolate torture bathtub gin. So a six-song second set, although I, in my brain at least, as I've said, kind of glommed together Waves and Ruby Waves. It was really one big jam put together with, you know, kind of a, a lyrical break to change songs over. But it's really one big jam, which I loved. Greg, how about you? Yeah, for me, the Ruby Waves in particular. And I mean, that the energy really, I love Waves, but the energy really picked up with that one. And it it got weird. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this whole show was great. There really wasn't, I mean, even when they played the song songs, um, 
I enjoyed it a lot. The 555 was great. And then that chalk test torture, like I could easily pick that. I didn't remember it being, I mean, I had a good time in the show, but when I listened back, and this is one of the first thing I listened back to was this show, I was blown away. It is killer. And I mean, all through this run, Mike is just like slaying it. And especially in this, I mean, everybody should go back and listen to that and hear what he's playing in the jam. It's incredible. And that should be noted. That deserves a little bit of attention that there were so many online complaints, at least that's where I saw them, about the mix uh, from the New Year's Eve run. Did you guys take note of any of that? Did you did you notice that during the show? Because I didn't listen back to the New Year's run, but I was at all four nights. Or no, I was at the three nights. I missed uh, 1228. I did not go to that one. Um, I did not notice that Mike was lower in the mix. Was that uh, at any of your attention? I heard it on the live feed. When the shows came out, yeah, it, it was bad. You couldn't even hear Mike in a lot of them. I understand they may have gone back and remixed some of it. I haven't gone back to it, but it was bad. And they, if they overcorrected, they should leave it this way. Yeah. It sounded incredible. And one thing I would add to that, when we streamed Mexico 2022, a group of us were listening and we're like, fish sounds off. Like it sounded like he was missing beats or something wasn't really there i don't know what you know i don't have any insight on what was going on then but whatever it was in the past six months he's on fire like he was the high like the superstar of that run to me he was up in the mix and i don't think he played the same beat twice i like he was playing and messing with everything whenever he had the chance and it was wonderful night three which was maybe my favorite, but we'll get to those. We'll get to rankings a little bit later. My highlight was 2001. And this was almost for the very end of the show. It was checking, let's see, the second to last song of the second set after 2001 was Say It To Me Santos. And then they came back on for the encore. And so there's a lot that came before it, including a really excellent Down With Disease Into Golden Age that I really enjoyed about to run was very good in set one steam was a really nice compact, but powerful jam. But for me that 2001, when we talk about the band having musical conversations with one another, when they started doing that really clearly in 1994 and 1995, and you could hear them speaking to one another through their instruments. And then kind of as this weird unit, even though uh, that's greater than the sum of its parts, thrilling the audience with amazing jams. I heard that in this 2001, that they were kind of to themselves, but to the greater good simultaneously. Plus it sounded like aliens. So I really enjoyed this 2001. That's my highlight. Greg, how about you? Night three. Yeah. I mean, and so then I'm not just saying the same thing you said, because that is the real highlight of the night. Um, I would say light all the way through that because there is a really good jam and light too that eventually like, you know, sort of uh, fades away into Piper just before that 2001 comes in. Incredible. And I was very happy they played most events aren't planned too. It wasn't maybe the best version ever, but um, I love that song. I think that might've been the only, was that the only page led song of the run? Uh, they did play cars, trucks, and buses, I think, on night one. Uh, but vocally. I mean, I think that was the only one he took a lead vocal on, wasn't it? I, I don't know. I might be wrong about that, but I love that song. I was shocked that people around me didn't know what it was when it started. But uh, Oh, really? 
Yeah, I was. I, yeah, I was really surprised by that. Cappy, how about you? Your highlight for night three? It's the two thousand one. It went sideways, and that's you know even within that there was a there was a woman who was dancing nearby us who when they started taking it out, she just started yelling "Plinko Jam, Plinko Jam," <laughs> and she was running around grabbing everyone. She was very excited about that, and I'm I'm very happy for her. But it did like that. That's the first time I've heard that go that far out and in a in a fresh way in many 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 years so i was really excited to hear that and the only other one i would um add to that is we always say that when they play i saw it again that's a sign that the band is having fun like that's a special treat like they play that when they're feeling it so i was excited to see that yeah i saw it again and buried alive if you hear that early in the first set it it's it means something good I mean, something good is coming. Cappy, uh, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but you and I were hanging out at during that 2001. And during it, your wife took your oldest son and just kind of went off into the crowd for a 2001 journey. Did you hear back from either? Uh, eventually, yes, they, they did. They did return. <laughs> I was working for a while. What happened? But did she take them all the way up front or I just did, through the they crowd? Didn't get, they didn't get all the way up front. They went up as far as they could reasonably but it was they they said it was a lot of fun the lights were great and and my oldest he got like when i'm saying my younger two they got it at this he got it in banger maine so he was really excited for this and he 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 loved getting up close he loved um all of the music and the the only other one that where he mentioned it out loud it was 2001 but also when they played free um uh, night one, so night one, night one or night two. Yeah. But he's he wound up saying like they're playing. He's like, oh, I need to learn how to play this. And I'm like, <laughs> that just takes me all the way back to 1995 when you know, like 19 year old Cappy was like, oh, I need to learn how to play this. <laughs> <laughs> and we're already at the end. We're already at night four, which began like I said earlier in the five o'clock hour. And ended pretty early. You know, it's not always that you look at your watch at the end of a fish show and say, oh, my God, the night is just starting. And so it was super hot at the beginning. Like I mentioned, they open with Sigma Oasis. My highlight for night four, and I was really struggling with this. I was going between two. I was going between everything's right and simple. Because I do think Everything's Right has the best jam of the night. I really do. It goes all the way out there. But when it comes back, and I don't want to square it, place it all on Trey, it was a very awkward bring it back to close the song. It seemed gratuitous. It did not need to happen, in my opinion. Simple, on the other hand, had a shorter jam that wasn't as exploratory, but it was very fun. And they got back into simple and closed it in a much more smooth, natural, organic way. So for me, simple gets the nod for being able to end more in a more graceful uh, segue. So my vote goes to simple. Gabby, how about you? So I I was struggling with this one because it's always nice to get a McGrath. I, I think we just need to say that it's always a pleasure to see that um and then the other thing i would add is that this was only my second birthday show ever and it was the 20th anniversary of my previous one 
and they played their birthday song <laughs> that they played number line which i'm like oh that's nice <laughs> <laughs> but really i think what it is for me was um i was talking about when my kids got it and my son is a piano player i always expected like for whatever reason in my head he would like go to a show watch page take a piano solo and be like oh i, I really dig this no it was the vocal jam of yeah <laughs> and like i saw him and he sort of tilted his head and then he looks at me he's like did you doing acapella it's a kid and like he's like and they're just making this up i'm like yeah and then he started watching it with the lights and like at some point during it, like he put both of his arms in the air and like got a huge grin on his face. And he's like, this band is awesome. <laughs> and that like, so, I mean, that's probably the highlight of all four shows for me. Greg, how about you last night? What was your highlight? Well, I think, I think everything was right. Probably had the best jam of the whole weekend. Um, I, I like you, I think the kind of recording back into the, you're not even recording to a new song. You're recording back in. <laughs> you're already playing. Uh, it's not my favorite thing. Um, but since you already brought that up, I'm going to just throw it out there to two, um, which along with Harry Hood is tied for my most seen song. This one got a little strange in sort of the same way that 2001 did. And I really enjoyed that. I mean, you know, Fishman's just solid and he's holding it down, but the other guys got a little weird. And um, I'm always in it for that song. I think it's the one that, probably is the best, you know, when, when they're in their sort of micro jam phase of just get it down and get the business really quick. And it can let you know how the whole show is going to go and to have it come out and just be weird like that. Just hell yes. Every time. So I'll, I'll take that one, but I do think everything's right. Probably the best jam of the whole run. I agree. Overall, Greg, from best to least best, I'll say in my best middle school teacher voice, from best to least best, how would you rank these shows, the four nights? And this changed since um, I listened back and listened back to most of the shows. I'm now going to say two, four, one, and three. And it's represented more of my experience and my memories versus maybe what was played. Gabby, how about you? Two, then everything else equal right below it. Two just stands out a little more for me. Good answer. Wow, we all have different opinions. I wrote down three, two, one, four. I thought one, maybe I was just a little too damn tired. Uh, what I loved about four, though, I will say, even though I did rank it last, because I was so tired, my feet were just fucking killing me from being on the sand. My legs were just killing me. I just needed a break. I needed a place where I wasn't wearing my shoes and I wasn't standing. And I didn't want to go all the way back. So my wife actually texted me sometime around, this is night four, uh, probably sometime around Tube when you were having your really fun experience, Greg. And she was right outside the venue in one of those uh, one of those chairs, one of the shade lounges, I guess. I don't know what to call them. And she said, you could hear everything great from here. And you're right by the pool. The sun is still up why don't you come out here for a little bit? And I did. And this to me is antithetical to everything I've ever thought about fish. Leave the venue. Are you crazy? But I did. And I took my own advice, which is don't stick too hard to any one location. 
And I just said, well, what's the difference? You could walk right back in anyway. Like Cappy, you said you during some set breaks, you went back to your room and came back to the venue. And wow, what a really fun experience that was to leave the venue, be literally poolside and hear live fish music being played. I would guess maybe a quarter mile away, maybe half a mile on stage. And it was really a serene, fun, interesting experience where, again, I was able to just let go of every preconceived notion that I had and just unplug, even though I was there. I plugged in anyway. So that was my highlight of night four, again, experientially, uh, even though the music wasn't my favorite. So, gentlemen, as we wrap it up, Greg, let me ask you, if someone was going to Mexico for the first time next year, what's one piece of advice you would give that person? Definitely sunscreen and get up early and find an umbrella. (laughs) Tarping doesn't work here. That's right. Gappy, how about you? Check out the activities. It's worth doing at least one or two. Mine would be don't stick to one area in the venue. Don't be afraid to go to the ocean side and watch, even if it's just part of a set, don't be afraid to go all the way back to the trees, to the palm trees and sit in one of those uh, picnic tables. If you want to, just, if you need a little bit of a chill out, don't be afraid to go outside because you could always just come back in. So that would be my advice. Don't get stuck and feel obligated. Like at Madison square garden, for example, you know, you have your seat number and for as much as fans, myself included, love the garden. They're pretty goddamn strict about where you're sitting. They check those ticket stubs. So this is a rare occasion where you truly have the freedom to explore different areas and come and go as you please. That would be my advice. Don't feel obligated to be at any one area. Uh, That said, it was a real pleasure hanging with you guys, for the most part, in the palm tree forest for a good portion of the weekend. That was really great. The whole thing was a blast. Yeah. 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 Couldn't be better, in my opinion. So, Cappy, Greg, thank you again so much for everything and not just our fun and our experiences at the venue itself, but also for listening back, being prepared, and coming ready to jump on to talk about our experience at Fish in Mexico, in Cancun, 2023, February 23rd to 26th. I hope we could do it all next year again. I'll be there. Fingers crossed. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen, for the Mexico 2023 recap. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you, Cappy. Thank you, Greg, for joining me to talk about our amazing vacation. And I hope we get to do it again next year. Ladies and gentlemen listening, there is no fact check. This is just as casual as it can be. Uh, Please tune in next week for a more traditional, more usual episode of Attendance Bias. Have a good day and a good rest of your week.